0: Automatic and Liverpool lead. The Premier League is back, and off the ball is the only place you can hear live commentary of Liverpool's march to the title, the battle for the Champions League places, and the fight for survival. Every big game exclusively live between now and the end of the season, starting this Wednesday from 7 p.m. with Manchester City against Arsenal. And we'll also have live score updates on the OTB Sports app. OTB Sports Radio, live 24-7 on the OTB Sports app. Okay, you're welcome Max. So we're turning to the latest developments surrounding Daniel Kinahan and his involvement in the upper echelons of boxing. News came through this afternoon that KHK, they were the company set up by the King of Bahrain's son. They released a statement to the effect that KHK has discontinued its engagement with Daniel Kinahan and he is no longer an advisor to the company. They made the announcement about a month ago, you might remember, that Kinahan had come on board to much fanfare as an advisor to the company. Well, they have parted ways with Daniel Kinahan this afternoon and made that announcement this afternoon. We were going to uh, talk about this whole subject anyway before that news came through. As much as anything, just to take the temperature on this story outside of Ireland, everybody here is very familiar with what's been going on, and there has been lots of coverage, and it's been discussed even in Leinster House. But beyond Ireland, it might be interesting to see where things are. Uh, To that end, we're joined by Tris Dixon. He's the former editor of Boxing News Magazine. He is the host of Boxing Life Stories podcast. Tris, thanks for joining us. Much appreciated.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me.
0: Like I said, we wanted to take the temperature outside of Ireland. First, though, we might touch on this news from Bahrain, that KHK and it is only a month ago they announced that Daniel Kinahan was coming on board as a, as an advisor. They have parted company, discontinued its engagement with Daniel Kinahan was the phrasing they used. That would strike most of us as a very significant blow to Kinahan's ambitions.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it would be a moral victory for his detractors, for sure. And I think that, that people will be happy by that. But as far as boxing goes... Where there's a will, there's a way. And obviously, if you take Bahrain out of the equation, it's an awfully big world where you can still take big fights. Uh, boxing has notoriously done, done this for years. You know, if one, if one door slams, another one opens. You know, we've seen that with fighters who've been banned or suspended for poor, for poor behaviour or for failing drugs tests and different things, and they've been banned in one area and they've gone and fought somewhere else. Uh, I suppose just because Bahrain might or might not be on the table any longer. It doesn't mean the rest of the world couldn't play, you know, couldn't, couldn't play home to, host to, to any number of big sporting events.
0: We don't really know the, na- the nature of this decision. It is just a month on from him linking up with KHK, whether it's to do with the general noise surrounding his involvement in boxing or if it's to do with Irish diplomatic relations, which we understand were initiated this week. I guess that will unfold in due course unless you know the answers.
1: No, obviously, you know, it would be speculation. It would coincide with this worldwide story that has really gone global, that has been covered um, over here in the UK and and I believe in the US and and further afield. Um, you know, the the bad thing is, you know, for for boxing on many levels, is it's just a bad look for the sport. You know, for for years, boxing has had an image where it has been mixed with unsavory characters and people go back to the gangsters who ran it in the 1940s and 50s, and even before that, the 30s, when former heavyweight champion Primo Carnera was under mob control back then. And people, so it's always had this image that's been tainted. And, and the problem is when we get stories like this that, uh, that that do get so much prominence, it makes me wonder, you know, from a sporting perspective, how many parents are going to take their kids down to the gyms and say, oh, look, let's get involved in this. And how many sponsors and how many blue chip companies are going to get involved with the sport and say, oh, look, you know, let's have a bit of boxing. It's not a great look for the sport. It's, it's, and it, it's sad because, you know, we've had years of successful Olympic cycles and, and different things where we've had real success going back from Audley Harrison back in 2000 and a lot of money pumped into the amateur system. We've had a lot, a lot of success. A lot of people going through the doors of, uh, boxing gyms here that probably wouldn't have otherwise gone through and, and it's been Relatively healthy and we've had success, you know in and with world champions and there's been numerous success stories and And it's all been very positive and this kind of stories or these kind of stories, you know, just Don't give the sport the best look
0: From our perspective, there's a, there was a noticeable uh, PR campaign which kicked off maybe about a month ago. There was a video documenting, uh, well, a version of what happened at the Regency. There was Bob Arum coming out, singing the praises of Daniel Kinahan and his uh, positioning really as the go-to man in terms of organising this Fury Joshua fight. Sandra Vaughan from MTK came out and accused the Irish media of lie after lie after lie. And there was the KHK Bahrain announcement. We were all very aware of that. That was a big talking point here about a month ago. Did it reach UK shores in any great way? It didn't seem to from our perspective.
1: No, it was really so this is all kicked into gear really from the Tyson Fury Instagram uh, post that went up a week or so ago, you know, where he was thanking uh, Daniel for the, I say Daniel like I know him, I've never met the guy. Um, uh, it, so yeah, it was, it was the Tyson Fury Instagram post that sort of really lit the fire behind this that subsequently spiraled, obviously, where it was then mentioned over, over in, in Ireland at very, very high levels. And then obviously that caught on over here. And, uh, you know, in terms of, because Fury and Joshua are massive names, obviously it was going to be big news anyway, but obviously don't forget we're in lockdown with no other sport. So, you know, people are waiting for stories to get their teeth stuck into. So in many ways, in terms of the story being out there, journalists, the story's been there, but Fury making that announcement while nothing else is going on, it was the perfect storm. And it, and it has created a, an absolute frenzy in terms of the the documentary that released, and, and I think it was subsequently taken down, if I'm right. Um, that that you know that wasn't that wasn't really being talked about majorly over here. And in terms of in terms of people like Bob Arum and stuff singing singing, singing um, Daniel Kinahan's praises, like that's a that's a common thing in boxing. Sure. And there's a couple of things about this, you know. I've spoken to, so so it's weird because I've got some friends who are involved in MTK, and they're friends that were around that I, you know I've been in boxing 20 years, so that I've known them from before they had any involvement in MTK, and um and and they a couple of them do know Daniel, but these guys don't see. Or um, believe the Irish press they don 't see any of that side, and the, they, they have this very um, uh, straightforward mindset of treat people the way you want to be treated in life and to a man, they all say well he 's been absolutely fantastic with us he 's been brilliant with us uh, we can 't knock him um, and you know and, and that's the, that 's boxing 's lookout that 's boxing 's position generally not, not not the sports position, but the people who are involved with um with daniel you know there's people like aaron obviously saying what he said um you know people just are treating him at face value and there's been complaints about him from what i've heard in terms of fighters being manipulated screwed in fact on the contrary you know there's been numerous stories done where he's helped ex-fighters have fallen on hard times like Harold bomber graham and other fighters there's been stuff, you know, when you look at some of the fighters he advises, um, perhaps some of the lesser known fighters, they, they, some of them have had outstanding opportunities like world title fights that surely they wouldn't have got if they hadn't had those relationships. So he's opened up um, a lot of doors for a lot of fighters. And there's not, there's not um, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to say this without, um, without sounding like a cheerleader, because I'm not. But there's not a lot of negativity about him in the sport from fighters and trainers and so forth because they don't, because they have this attitude. Whereas he's always treated me absolutely fine, and whatever he's done before is none of my business, and I don't know that side of him.
0: No, I understand that. And that's a fair point to make because in the midst of all this, nobody has fully explained how he's managed to rise through the sport so seamlessly and get to such a high level. So if you were a, a boxer of a certain level, MTK, although he's not affiliated with them anymore in the way he was pre-2017, although Sandra Vaughn did say there is a relationship and he does advise fighters sometimes to join MTK. MTK, for a lot of fighters then, might realistically be their best bet.
1: So it's a very interesting point that you raise there. I mean, there's not a lot of money in boxing. Unless you get to the box office level, and I mean an AJ or Fury level, where your fights are on pay-per-view, in British boxing, as far as I'm aware, Sky Sports, BT Sports, those guys, they, there aren't license fees where they're churning out hundreds of thousands of pounds for a Saturday fight night. And in fact, it's got to the point where so many fighters are seen. When the Zone came into boxing, uh, the network that, that sort of started the streaming network in America, mm-hmm. a lot of the top British talent were fighting over there because the money, there was more money over there. But we don't have those blue chip sponsors, and obviously, in terms of TV networks, once the Premier League rights have gone out, everyone else is scrapping for change. You know, because that's such a high profile or such a such such a such a, um, a high value asset to have that everyone sort of plows the money into football and then everything else sort of follows. And there's just not the money in boxing. Like there's, there's, there's not many alternatives out there. You know, we're not involved with any of these blue chip sponsorship com- companies, maybe a few betting companies here and there. But no one's really throwing their money in, uh, in boxing. So a lot of these guys don't have the options. And one thing that you mentioned there about how he's been able to rise seamlessly through the sport is for the longest time, you know, myself and a lot of other people in the sport have been calling for an umbrella organization, you know, where there's some uniformity across the board to prevent anything nefarious happening in the sport. And so I'm talking about a FIFA, an ATP, an NFL something like that. We have nothing like that. And that allows so many gray areas in the sport. It, it leaves us open to everything and this means, you know, people failing drugs tests in one area and they're licensed to go and fight somewhere else, you know, while banned somewhere else. Someone's found guilty of some infraction somewhere and they go and fight somewhere else. Um, And it, and it means, you know, people can get involved without any kind of um, back checks and without any kind of, you know, and, and, it's happened through the years, you know, because the sport has never taken ownership of its problems and has never really sort of tried to move forwards and think we need to do everything we can in our power to help the fighters and help the fighters afterwards. You know, there's no pension funds or anything like that. You know, there's no union for boxers um, or no umbrella union for boxers. And, and, you know, boxing should have taken hold of itself a long time ago and pulled ranks and sorted itself out and it hasn't and it's its own fault it shoots itself in the foot time and time again it's done it decade after decade you know i kind of walked away from boxing for a period in 2014 for a couple of years really where i was this where i was just i didn't want to be an apologist for the sport and i was you kind of have to justify all this stuff and it's and it's embarrassing because you you know why does anyone go into boxing writing? They want to cover fights. They want to speak to the boxers, and they want to interview the trainers. They want to go to the gyms and all the rest of it. You have a passion for the sport. Boxing guys don't. Boxing guys don't want to be talking about this stuff. It's not at the top of the stuff. You know, we, I didn't go and get my degree in journalism to 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 write about this stuff. Mm. I, you know, I'm a sports guy, and and that's the, you know, and, that, and that's a shame that you know boxing because it leaves these doors open. We've always got to address these things
0: because you made a point in a recent piece on boxing scene that the sports moral compass was not created normally. And so here we are all these years later and the legacy of that has not been shaken. And so based on everything you've just said there, there is a still in 2020, a wild West aspect to this global sport.
1: Well, I think it was back in the twenties or thirties, it was called the red light district of sports. And you know, it's, it's always been like that. And, um, you know, we're talking about one person here and there's probably people across the board in boxing who have had repasts and scrapes and, and done various things. And, you know, we go back to, I, I, I pointed to, to people like Frankie Carbo and Blinky Palermo back, back there, which is quite a fashionable thing to point to. But back in the early 80s, a guy called Harold Smith embezzled millions of dollars from Wells Fargo banks and became a promoter. And he put on all these dream fights and everyone thought it was brilliant because there was, there were, everyone was newly rich and he was spending all this money that he'd embezzled and no one knew where it came from. And he made all these fighters superbly rich by making these fights that everyone loved. It all came crashing down on him. But then, you know, in terms of, you know, going back to the red light district of sport, look at, um, you know, people rightly obviously give Muhammad Ali a lot, of, a lot of credit for the moral stances he's taken in his life. But he had calls to make and he did go and fight in Zaire and he did go and fight in Manila where there was big issues but boxing has often gone to the highest bidder and that's the nature of the beast and you know we've seen that time and again and obviously there's a lot of new money emerging in new markets in boxing and um, you know what's to say you know the, the, the sport is just open it's, it's open you know it kind of, it's kind of, kind of reminds me of like a, a saloon in the Wild West, you know, anyone can kick the doors open and make their presence felt in one way, shape, or form. I think, part, and again, part of the things from a sporting perspective, and this is another thing that really frustrates me, is this, stores, this, this, this kind of stuff has, can happen because, and I'm, turning to, to, I'm speaking about someone coming in and really shaking things up and making a difference, because so many people in boxing won't work together because of petty squabbles and poor relationships and poor communication, that means that someone can come in with a fresh perspective, with fresh ideas, with a new dynamic, and they can make an impact. Because promoters don't talk together. you know, A lot of promoters don't talk. I'm generalizing. TV networks are opposing each other and stuff. Because we don't have this cohesive nature, people can come in between the cracks and develop these relationships as go-betweens and speaking for other people and to other people. Mm -hmm. And this isn't a new thing. This isn't a new thing that's that's crept up since 2012. This is something that's been going on for a long time. It's just, you know, it it takes a certain amount of money and power to rise to to the position where you can make a big difference. Okay. So
0: boxing, if it is completely ill-equipped to uh, to rule itself, I'm wondering, has anybody made an effort to launch some kind of umbrella group? I'm sure there must be lots of well-meaning people around the sport who recognise that we need one... Power center really to try and govern the thing. I, I, I like. I'm suspecting efforts to do that were quickly shot down because it didn't serve people to have that kind of central body.
1: I mean, you know, everyone wants their piece of the pie. So who's going to sell their piece of the pie first? And you know, who wants to get out and who wants to stay? Because there's obviously um, a whole image thing about being involved with boxing as well, where people do want to be associated with big fight nights and big name prize fighters and stuff. Um, I heard a recent conversation, a podcast between Eddie Hearn and Dana White, and they were saying that someone could feasibly buy boxing for a billion pounds or dollars, uh, but they reckon a billion on the table could buy the sport in terms of buy all the promoters out, buy all the networks out of the deals, and and they could get it under one organization. So obviously there's a lot of you know to spend that money you're looking at a very small percentage of people that could feasibly buy boxing and put it under an umbrella Mm. in terms of there being well-meaning people there's there's probably you know maybe a dozen people that spring to mind who are well-meaning and and have these sort of flawless backgrounds or seemingly flawless backgrounds and have the best interest of the sport at heart but they don't have the the money or the power to do that to, to to make people give up their piece of the pie and it's 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 frustrating because you know you, it would help the sport in every way you know we've got four recognized governing bodies with four different top tens in each weight class and all the rest of it they've all got different rankings so there's no set top ten fighters so if you look at a league table of football or anything you give you have a rough idea of who's where yeah in boxing, you know if you look at the top ten you never know who's been slipped in where and why and all the rest of it it's, it's crazy
0: yeah it's why perversely Joshua Fury is so appealing to so many people because fans are starved of these kind of matchups for all the reasons you've outlined. From a broadcaster perspective, then, so look, there's been a big story here, and not least over the last uh, month in particular. And on the back of the Fury announcement, the Labour leader here, Alan Kelly, in the Irish Parliament asked our Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar, about this situation. And Varadkar responded without wanting to say too much, but he made the point that diplomatic relations are underway. And that also sports media companies really should have nothing to do with this fight was the point that he made. Now Sky Sports were in the Irish Times yesterday and they made the point regarding Fury Joshua that they have no role in these contract talks. And they finished off by saying quite pointedly, all our broadcast deals are subject to careful consideration. That was the line they used. Uh, BT Sport, I would presume, are due to show Fury versus uh, Wilder. So how likely is it that broadcasters might be a vehicle to do something here? And really, is that the point? Because if Sky Sports and BT washed their hands of it, I presume you could name two or three other huge channels who would happily step in.
1: Exactly. And, you know, by having these conversations about the structure of boxing, it's like plugging holes in a boat that's leaking. Do you know what I mean? Like, exactly that. It doesn't, you know, it would be a moral victory for the detractors if Sky and BT probably just said, you know we don't want anything to do to it, to do with it but realistically you know and, and it goes back to these boxing loopholes then they'll put it on youtube they'll put it on another pay platform and people will still want to see it because yeah. people and there is that there is a school of thought now and you know several people tweeted me about you know about the announcement about fury joshua like um Great, it's, it's on, you know, regardless. They don't want to know any of the business side of it. They don't want to know anything behind the scenes. They've got no interest in that. They want to see the sporting contest between who they think are the top two heavyweights in the world and, mm. you know, two, two big British names. And so, you know, there's an audience there for it, regardless of the political backdrop. And that will frustrate a lot of people and a lot of people won't want to hear that. But that's, that, that's the world that we're living in. People want to see these two guys fight. Yes. people pay a lot of money to make the guys fight the fighters will want a lot of money because it's only a short career and they're not guaranteed the next payday after that because it's a it's such a hard and unforgiving sport so they'll want to maximize their earnings and you know if if it can be made somewhere anywhere you know even if even if they've got to do it on the top of a skyscraper in Saudi Arabia then, you know they can find a place and and screen it mm it's frustrating, I know that, and I get that, and I know that probably doesn't answer your question, no, no, but the no, sky, if no, no. are involved or not, I'm sure it'll find a home.
0: No, it's, I, I, I would tend to agree, and I think we in Ireland need to step uh, back from this situation and look at it re- realistically as well. So, I mean, if uh, Joshua Fury had been set up and there was a uh, Russian uh, person of note in the midst of it all who was linked to various. Uh, Controversies, and you know I think people are well aware at this stage that never convicted of any crime, but in two thousand and eighteen Daniel Kinnan was named in the High Court as controlling the Kinihen crime gang, which is involved in drugs, weapons smuggling on a global scale, estimated to be a billion pound enterprise but if if a, a Russian equivalent had been um, in the midst of organizing this fight i 'm really not sure would there be outrage in Ireland. I think there would be a shrug of the shoulders, and unfortunately, for your sport the line, well, that's boxing, would uh, would be uttered and people might get on with it. Like, I wouldn't think they're overly concerned. I don't know how global this story has become, but I wouldn't think, like you've Bob Aram in The Irish Sun saying today, I think really and truly everybody is laughing at the Irish, at the Irish government. They're laughing at them. So I don't know uh, where the pressure point comes here. Like, will Eddie Hearn, will Frank Warren, will these guys be put under major pressure will it come politically because politically it seems to have really caught fire here i I saw that um stephen farry he's of the alliance party he has said he wants to get this thing debated in the house of commons i mean if it it reaches that level it becomes very difficult for the sport to ignore i would think but then again maybe maybe the the controversial controversial figure just takes a bit of a backward seat for a little while and this all goes away
1: yeah i mean that's that that's certainly something that could happen and, and you know i, I don't want to th- come across like i'm trivializing anything but you make a good point obviously. no you're
0: not you're not you're not at all like i think you're there's a reality to what's happening here and we have to explain why it's happening
1: yeah and you know like i said even if one door shuts or two doors shut shut or three doors shut it only takes one to open and and everyone's in and everyone's getting paid and, and that's the sport. And I think, I think you make a, a perfect thing. I think, I think some, some serious Russians have been involved over the last few years, where we've seen some big names go out to Russia and, and get involved. And, and there are probably people that you wouldn't want to come and meet your mother and all the rest of it. Um, and, and, and unfortunately, you know, that is the, that's the nature of the sport. And I'm not an apologist for it. I think boxing needs to, you know, has for years and years needed to take a look at itself and to pick itself up by the bootstraps and do something. But, you know, as, as we sort of alluded to earlier, you know, people still, everyone wants their piece of the pie and no one's going to do anything for the betterment overall, um, which is, which is a shame. When you look at the people, sorry, I mean, something I should say when, when you look at the people who can help, you're probably looking at maybe five fighters in history that might have been able to do something. In terms of money and you're probably looking at maybe George Foreman and I'm referring to grill money here as well you're looking at Mayweather you may be looking at Joshua now you know and after that you're really stretching and these are the people that I mean can invoke massive change in boxing because that's where the money is the top three or five names in boxing have probably been responsible for earning about 98% of the money over the last few years right And and that's, that's the nature of the beast. And no one else has that kind of money or or power. And it's, it's frustrating, you know, because it's clear that boxing needs that kind of administration. Um, And I mean this at every level, I don't mean just with what's going on. I mean, you know, when, when it comes to medicals and everything else, there's no umbrella medical organization where people can share medicals, you know, if people fail a brain scan one place, they can still go and get licensed somewhere else. Mm. And it's such a haphazard nature, you know, in the States with all the different States, I know I'm sort of digressing here, but I'm sort of also illustrating the point.
0: Point, yeah.
1: Is some states allow you to fight with an MRI scan, some a CAT scan, some need both, and some want neither. And that's in one country. You know, so how frustrating is it to try and get everything under one roof in lockdown mm. when the, the states, you know, on a medical standpoint, is so all over the show?
0: So you mentioned there just to, to to wrap up on all of this. Then you became a bit disillusioned with the sport. Was it 2014 territory? Are you you're yeah, hosting the Boxing yeah. Life Stories podcast now? Are you back covering it full time? Are you picking and choosing? What's your relationship with it all now?
1: Well, that's a good question. Um, I, I, to, by and large, I'm I'm picking and choosing. Um, you know, the life stories thing is is great, and it allows me to find my love of the sport again which is going to the gyms, going to the fighters' homes, speaking to fighters, speaking to trainers, Mm. and generally, generally staying away from the political stuff that I want to to speak to you about today, because it drives me crackers. And, and, I mean, I have written a book. um, It's my fourth book on boxing coming out um, in March called Damage. And, in fact, I've talked about the the stuff we've touched upon here about the medical side of things, because it's it's about long-term damage and CTE through boxing and and that's been a labor of love i've been working on that the last two or three years um where i'm trying to invoke some sort of change um, mm. in the culture of fighting sparring um and, and, and educate people in the fight game about cte
0: yeah okay well listen uh, just a final point then so look beyond irish shores there's there's been a concerted effort to position daniel Kinnan in a, a certain in, in a certain way and and put his reputation forward in a certain way. It seems based on the majority of the coverage, I saw the Daily, Te- Daily Telegraph described him as a sometime controversial figure, which uh, seemed to downplay it uh, just a touch. But it seems in the main that this PR effort has not worked, that there are plenty of pieces knocking around the UK about the reality of the situation. And if that's the case, where does this all go, do you think, ultimately?
1: Yeah, there's been some strong stuff. And, and again, as you say, some people who skirt around the edges and it's tough you know in in today's day and age and you'll know this like with with a media background you know a lot of newspapers uh, radio stations tv stations don't want expensive legal fights and it's been well documented that that a, a law firm has been hired to address all the stuff that comes out and 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 the stuff that's disagreeable um, from that side so obviously that puts people on 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 notice that if they write something that's disagreeable it's going to end up costing them a lot of money and then you've got another side here and and sorry if i i don't mean to digress but you've got you know the irish hardline crime reporters who are doing the work that they're doing and you've got boxing guys over here and a lot of newspapers now use freelancers for boxing writing but not many have like a dedicated boxing guy any longer because the boxing you know it's become a, a more of a niche sport and so these freelancers i haven't heard a lot of them write stuff or comment as perhaps they normally would on twitter and i, I and i do wonder if this is a thing where people are concerned about uh, being denied access to fighters or to fights and shows because ultimately a lot of these writers who have Bills to pay and mouths to feed at home need the access to the fighters. They need the access to the shows. And maybe that's in their mind as well, because obviously there's a a huge number of fighters, a huge network of fighters involved potentially. Mm. So, um, so there's a lot in terms of where it goes from now. I mean, I, I honestly think again, not trivializing it at all in any way, shape or form, but this country is so passionate about football that when football returns later this week, how big of a story is this still going to be? That's, that will be? That will be interesting. Once all the first round of games are back and they're all on TV and everything's being shown and the buzz of football comes back, it will be interesting to see how much prominence is given to this story then. Uh, and, and, uh, and like I said, I'm not trivializing that. I'm not saying football is more important.
0: No, no, know. No.
1: And I touched upon the media side of things. When people look at, in terms of selling newspapers and all the rest of it, people want to read about Liverpool. It gets clicks. It gets hits. It gets all the rest, all the stuff that ticks the boxes for the publishers and the editing people behind these huge newspapers and TV networks and all the rest of it. That's ultimately what, they're, what, they're, what, they're, what the business is, is trying to make money out of the content. And I think, you know, Liverpool, with Mo Salah scoring a hat-trick and a return to football, will, sell more, will get more eyeballs than, a, than another story on this. I, I might be wrong.
0: Tris Dixon, thanks so much. People can get more of your work by looking up the Boxing Life Stories podcast. I'm much obliged, Tris. Thanks so much.
1: No worries. Thanks for having me.